0: This is Tyquan Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch.
1: Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host David Cromwell. Today we wrap up our post NFL Draft recap tour through the AFC with a look at the draft halls in the AFC South. If health cooperates, the AFC South could be the most competitive division in the National Football League this season. Just how much more competitive did it get as a result of the 2018 NFL Draft? Joining us now to answer that and break down the draft classes of the Colts, Texans, Titans, and Jaguars is our good friend Jake Arthur, who covers the Colts for StampedeBlue.com. Great to have you here as always, Jake. How you doing? Yeah, I'm great, buddy. Thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show to talk about football. It's uh, You're one of our most frequent guests, and you always uh, bring your A-game.
0: Yeah, appreciate that, everybody.
1: <laughs> totally, but in that spirit, let's uh, talk about the draft class of the team you cover, the Indianapolis Colts, who in my opinion had a very solid draft class. And when you last came on the program for our AFC South Draft Preview, Both you and I agreed that Quentin Nelson was the best option for the Colts at six overall should Bradley Chubb have been gone by then. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Now that Nelson is a Colt, we know how much he improves that offensive line as a unit. But what I'm wondering is, how can he make each member in that offensive line room better individually? How do you think he can do so?
0: Well, it's, I mean, you've got a really impactful impactful offensive lineman, but it, it can be hard for them to always stand out and make a whole unit better. But in this case, I think Quentin Nelson really has a chance to do just that because he's got two really bright guys and talented linemen on either side of him. He's got Ryan Kelly, who was another first-round interior lineman picked a couple years ago at center, and then you've got Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. Uh, So those two guys having someone they can really trust, and Nelson's also durable. So just some consistency over there. I think those three can really feed off each other and and just form a really – Really good uh, left side of the line for the Colts. I mean, obviously, Nelson's awareness is second to none. Uh, He can help any of his linemen by by picking up an assignment. You know, if, if there's not someone there in his gap to attack, you know, he's going to find someone to block. So that, that's a couple ways he can he can help out there.
1: Yes, it's going to be fun watching Quentin Nelson suit up each and every Sunday to protect Andrew Luck. And one of the Colts' other biggest needs in this draft, aside from protecting Andrew Luck, was off-ball linebacker, especially given their new uh, 4-3 scheme under new defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. And they addressed that need with Darius Leonard out of South Carolina State in the second round. I saw Darius Leonard at the senior bowl and his sideline to sideline speed and solid coverage abilities stood out to me. Do you think Darius Leonard's talent and potential fit in the Colts new defensive scheme warranted that high of a selection? Or do you think there were better linebacker options on the board at the time?
0: Uh, No, absolutely not. I, uh, I was a huge Darius Leonard fan. He was, he was one of my favorite linebackers in the draft Uh, and he was my next linebacker up. And uh, I really actually wanted the Colts to take him in the second round. Um, So that, that, That uh, pick was perfect for me. I think he fits exactly what they're looking for. Uh, He's a really rangy guy. He can cover. Like you said, he can go sideline to sideline. He's a pretty bright guy, too. He keeps the play ahead of him, and and he doesn't let things get away from him. So I think he's going to fit in like a glove, and I I think he starts uh, at their will position by the time the season starts.
1: Oh, I could see that, too. And uh, a lot of uh, draft analysts believe that he compares very favorably to Telvin Smith, the star outside linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you see some Telvin Smith in his game?
0: Uh, a little bit. You know, everyone was kind of saying Telvin Smith was undersized, which was true uh, at the time. But, you know, as, as each year progresses and more of an emphasis is on speed, we're seeing a lot of these four or three linebackers. Their size is now about six two, two thirty, um, in that ballpark. And that's especially what the Colts are targeting. And you know, he, he Darius Leonard fits that. I think he's something like six two, six three, about two hundred and thirty pounds. So uh he fits right in there, especially with their size measurements.
1: Yep, the old Tony Dungy defense is coming back to Indy, albeit with a twist, dare I say, this time around. And the Colts wound up picking four times in the second round, and with half of those selections, they added to their pass rush. One was Kamoko Teray, the freakish athletic specimen out of Rutgers, and the other was the guy whose voice you have heard at the beginning of every Dash to the Draft episode this year, our good friend Taekwon Lewis out of The Ohio State University, Which of these two potential overproduction picks are you the highest on and why? Uh, It's got to be
0: Kamoko Toure for me, for sure. I didn't know a ton about him come draft time. He's just someone I hadn't really gotten to much yet. I hadn't finished my evaluation of him. Uh, But now that I have, I love the guy. Um, I was just kind of cutting up some highlight clips a little bit, and he just kept kept going over and over and over. I wound up with just a ton of, of gifts that I made. I think he's got a lot of, of really good raw skills and, and uh, talents that should be able to translate to being a high-volume sack artist. You know, he never was a Rutgers, plus he was always hurt. Uh, but like Chris Ballard said, I, I think the scheme probably hurt his production quite a bit. You saw him go into coverage quite a bit and just do more off-ball linebacker things, but he's going to be a defensive end in a three-point stance here. Uh, so his chief responsibility will be rushing the passer. And, um, you know, the, the Colts have Rusty Jones as their director of, of sports performance, who should be able to help Toure with his some of his durability issues. And then you've got Robert Mathis, who is a pass rush consultant, and he's on the coaching staff. So, you know, Toure, if he's, if he's there to soak it all in, he's got two excellent resources that should be able to help take his game to the next
1: level. Oh, absolutely, especially learning from a future Hall of Famer in Robert Mathis. And what are your thoughts on Tyquan Lewis and his role in the Colts defense? Uh,
0: that pick I actually wasn't crazy about at first, uh, but its uh, I've kind of talked myself into it by now. Uh, I really like his versatility. Um, now that I know the plan is probably to you know, move him around the line situationally and that he's not just going to be a full-time edge defender, I'm, I'm more on board with that because I, I think that fits his game, you know, using his athleticism and burst to rush from the inside on obvious passing downs and then maybe playing the edge or on some earlier downs. Uh, I think he's gonna I think he could be a really valuable rotational alignment for them. If he wants it and they and they think that he's the guy for it, they do have two open spots at defensive tackle. There's really no one that screams starter just yet. We're really gonna have to see how training camp in the preseason goes. Uh, So it's there for the taking if he wants it.
1: Yeah, that'll be an interesting development to watch uh, in Colts camp come August. And moving on to the Houston Texans, although they didn't pick until the third round, they had to be beyond thrilled that Stanford safety Justin Reed, Eric Reed's younger brother, fell into their lap. Many were mocking Reed into the late first round to the Steelers at 28, to be specific. What does he bring to the back end of the Texans defense that they've been lacking in recent years? Yeah, Justin Reed.
0: I think that'll be a nice addition for them. Uh, he does a lot of things really well. Um, you know, he can he can play deep safety, he can line up in the slot, and he can play defense in the box against the run. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance he's one of those guys that could carve out a 10 plus year career, uh, just because he's he's a very solid player. I didn't really ding him for anything important before the draft. He didn't blow me away with anything either. Uh, I just think he's going to be a really serviceable player and he should be able to start for them pretty quickly. Uh, him and Andre Howe could be a, a pretty decent duo there at safety.
1: Yeah. Justin Reed, that sounds like a Bill O'Brien type player to me. And with their second of three third round picks, the Texans gave Deshaun Watson some much needed protection by selecting versatile Mississippi state offensive lineman, Martinez Rankin. Some believe Martinez Rankin to play all five of the positions on the offensive line. Which of those five positions do you think is his best fit with the Texans?
0: Yeah, I believe you and I talked about this before the draft was, you know, just their need for offensive line, you know, depth and really just someone who could be a for sure starter somewhere. Um, Zach Fulton, I think we know he'll start Zach Fulton and Nick Martin. um, You know, those are two guys who we're probably pretty sure they'll start. Uh, but at tackle, they're really weak there. Um, I would be surprised if they want to depend on Julian Davenport at left tackle. Uh, so I think it'd be a good idea for Rankin to get a shot there. Um, you know, just maybe see, you know, let the best man win between those two. Uh, Chantrell Henderson's probably got the right side locked down. But again, one year deal for him. Um, maybe if Davenport wins the left tackle spot, then Rankin takes over at right tackle. At some point, vice versa. Um, It's just funny because a lot of people were on board with moving Rankin inside by the time the draft got around. But it, it looks like he will probably definitely be playing outside with his new team. I love the pick, though, by the way.
1: Yes, and that makes perfect sense for the Texans to put him at tackle because their offensive success this year will hinge on their offensive line play. But my personal favorite pick of the Texans draft was their selection of Wake Forest edge rusher Duke Ejiofor in the sixth round. A couple draftniks I respect had Ejiofor as a second to third round talent. Assuming that Ejiofor is fully recovered from that injury by training camp, would you anticipate Ejiofor getting a healthy amount of snaps each week in order to keep jedevian Clowney and Whitney Merciless? fresh uh
0: yeah I I do think he could definitely factor into the rotation there uh obviously not going to be a starter because of those guys you mentioned uh but I wanted to see Houston get another pass rusher in there you know Jadavian Clowney and Whit Mercer both real well-balanced guys but they're special because he's run defense and so I I wanted to see them get you know a, a real good pass rusher in there I think four was great value there in the sixth round. You know, I'm, I'm sure the injuries are, are what had him there. Um, so I think that that was a really good pick by them. Uh, probably will just be a situational guy this year. I'm sure. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of who else factors in that would, you know, that w- would be much of a threat to his playing time. But uh, yeah, really looking at it right now, he should. He should be the the third outside linebacker or edge defender uh, as long as he does his part uh, this summer.
1: Oh, totally. I completely agree. And moving from the new Houston team to the former Houston team in the Tennessee Titans, the team formerly known as the Houston Oilers, and the Tennessee Titans only made four selections in this draft, but I give them credit. They made sure to use all the ammunition they had to get up and get the guys they wanted the most. And it began in round one when the Titans apparently believed the Patriots had their eyes set on Alabama linebacker Rashawn Evans, so they traded up one spot ahead of them in order to take him. However, according to, I believe it was Albert Breer or somebody from Sports Illustrated that reported this, the Patriots actually were not interested in Rashad Evans because they don't believe that he can be a three-down linebacker. Do you think that Rashad Evans can eventually grow into that every now linebacker that the Titans need?
0: Oh, absolutely. I had him labeled as a three-down linebacker in my notes that I had on him. He was my second linebacker, honestly, behind Roquan Smith. Uh, a lot of people were concerned about him not running a forty or anything before the draft. I mean, that's that's fine. I, I saw him play fast on the field in, in the SEC. You know, like, it would be nice, I guess, to have a forty verify what you see. But what if he would have run a what if he would run in e- either extreme, like in the high four fours or like four eights or something? You know, would that really change your opinion on him? You just gotta kind of trust the tape on that. I've seen him be rangy and cover guys downfield, and he also plays like a dog in the box against the runs. So I, I, I would absolutely be comfortable with him being a three-down linebacker, honestly more so than the guy he replaces in Avery Williamson.
1: Oh, absolutely. Avery Williamson just uh, struck me as a two-down thumper, dare I say, and yeah. uh, Rashawn Evans uh, definitely Being under a guy like Mike Vrabel as his head coach who played linebacker in the NFL, Mike Vrabel knows something about linebacker talent, uh, and uh, he definitely sees that same potential that you see in Rashawn Evans. And they weren't done being aggressive in the first round. In the second round, they made sure to trade up to take Boston College edge rusher Harold Landry, who fell because of injury concerns. And Pro Football Focus actually had Harold Landry ranked ahead of Bradley Chubb as the draft's best edge rusher. Do you see any evidence on Harold Landry's tape that suggests he can be a more potent weapon rushing the passer than Bradley Chubb can?
0: Oh, most definitely. I, I don't know if you caught any of our uh, our uh, draft podcasts, our, our live podcasts during the draft, but I was yelling for Harold Landry basically the whole time. I couldn't believe he was still there at 41. Uh, I think he's arguably the best pure pass rusher in the draft. I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Bradley Chubb was uh, because Chubb is also so good against the run. And, you know, he he got better as a pass rusher in his final season. Uh, But I think there's a good chance that Landry might be the best pass rusher. You know, speed, bend, athleticism, he's got a couple moves. I think he needs to get a little stronger. But I I think that was a dynamite pick for them at 41. I honestly originally mocked him to the Titans at 25, and I believe my final mock draft, or or you know one of the mock drafts leading up up to the event. So dynamite first couple picks for them It, it filled two big needs that I had
1: for them oh absolutely then you have to credit the titans where it's due as i said they just made sure they got their guys it's not the uh quantity it's the quality as they say and the titans uh Draft class of 2018 is the living embodiment of that. And moving on to the defending AFC South champion, Jacksonville Jaguars, who played more of the long game with their first-round pick. They strengthened their biggest strength, which is the defensive line, by adding the talented but raw Taven Bryan. Moreover, the selection of Taven Bryan gives them potential salary cap flexibility going forward, as they will likely have to part ways with either Marcel Darius or Malik Jackson after the 2018 season. However... Whether they do so or not will mainly depend on how much Taven Bryan develops this year. Do you think Tavon Bryan can develop into a starter type player by two thousand nineteen, or do you think he's so raw he needs two years of development?
0: uh no, I could see it you know by the end of two thousand nineteen, maybe the only thing is you know is he going to get the reps to do it? You know defensive line is easily their their deepest group on the roster, so it was when, when I saw that, I just kind of shrugged and chuckled a little bit because. I I really was hoping Brian would last to the Colts at number thirty six or thirty seven, uh, just because he he fits that four three one gap scheme really well, and he just explodes off the ball, like he's almost always the first person off the ball when you when you watch his film. But it's just a matter of the rich getting richer there with Jacksonville. I I definitely think he's got the capability of becoming a starter, or at least you know a, a primary player on passing downs. But it's just a matter of if he gets enough reps to get that, that development. They're probably going to have to count on his practice reps a lot in order to make uh, make an impact.
1: Yes, but assuming those practice reps uh, satisfy them enough, they should give him some in-game reps a lot. Because keep in mind, the Philadelphia Eagles. What was a major reason why they won the Super Bowl last year? They were able to send waves and waves of different defensive line combinations after quarterbacks. And the Jaguars uh, uh, say, let's do the same. And uh, they're going to need some impact from David Bryan this year.
0: Yeah, constant rushing.
1: Yes. And moving on to their second round pick, they took one of the studs of Senior Bowl Week LSU wide receiver DJ Chark. And my Draftic friends were split on Shark. One believed that he runs an advanced route tree, especially for someone entering the league, and is a Stefan Diggs-level talent. Another suggested he is currently a one-trick pony that can only make his living running vertical routes at the present time. What is your current assessment of DJ Shark?
0: Uh, it's unfortunate to get a, a really a full evaluation of him on there, because there's just not a whole lot of body of work. And... I don't know what it is about LSU, but they just can't get any good quarterbacks. So that kind of screws up how you evaluate the wide receivers. Also, I think I watched two of his two. No, I watched three of his games because they're real short. But I, I thought he could run some good routes, uh, not just a, a go route guy. Um, you know, he's got some comebacks in there and things like that. He, he probably doesn't have a full route tree yet, but. I saw the tools that people were talking about where they said he could be one of the top wide receivers that comes out of this draft. I saw those tools more than I saw just a deep ball guy, but I don't know that I loved the pick for them. I I just thought they should have—they probably should have had more of a sure thing or an alpha dog receiver if they were going to take one early because I think Chark just fits into what they already have, and they're just going to have to hope that he becomes a top guy I just didn't love that pick though.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun watching him develop, though. But they got potentially great value in round three by taking Alabama safety Ronnie Harrison. And to my knowledge, much of draft Twitter and the media were in love with Harrison, but the league was obviously not. Lance Zierlein cited an AFC Pro Personnel Director's thoughts on Harrison, and I quote, He's one of the most overrated guys at safety to me. He doesn't really run that well, and he doesn't really do anything special in coverage. He's a hitter but you can find hitters, unquote. What is your take on Ronnie Harrison, and can he become the Jaguars' starting strong safety by 2019 at the latest?
0: Yeah, I was. my evaluation of him is probably closer to what that scout said than people who were clamoring for him to go in the first round. Like they said, he didn't really do anything special. He's, he's, he doesn't cover all that much ground. He is a hitter, but I also saw him miss a lot of tackles. Um, so while I thought he was probably more of a second round guy, I think the third round going to the Jaguars, I think him going there and at that draft slot just fits very well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him threaten Barry church's spot there next to, to Tashawn Gibson. I just, I really like that pick, you know, if they want to stick him there and play him in the box while Gibson, you know, kind of plays deep and makes plays on the ball. I think that's a pretty good matchup.
1: Yes, he is. Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen. StampedeBlue.com. You can follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurNFL. Jake, thank you so much for joining us once again. But before you go, we want to play a little game called overreaction, not an overreaction. I will read a comment on a prospect that we haven't discussed that was drafted by one of the AFC South teams, and you determine whether I am overreacting or not overreacting, starting with the Colts. All right. Sounds good. Deion Kane will be the number two wide receiver on the Colts step chart behind only T.Y. Hilton by the end of the 2018 season.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call that one an overreaction uh, just because I really think there's a possibility we see a big impact out of Ryan Grant and Chester Rogers. Uh, Grant is kind of a popular little breakout pick uh, because he'll be playing with the best quarterback he's played in in a different system. Uh, even in himself, he said, you know, he thinks this is a good opportunity for him to break out. And Chester Rogers, not many people know about him, but he was absolutely dominant in training camp last year, before a uh, before a hamstring injury kind of ruined everything. It, it put him out for several weeks, and it limited his effectiveness during the season. Um, but he was in line to start last year, and so far it looks like uh, Hilton Grant and Rodgers will be the three starters. Um, It's nothing against Kane. I love the pick and I think he will eventually be a starter for the Colts. Uh, But I think especially if Andrew Luck is at quarterback, we're going to see enough out of Grant and Rodgers to keep Deion Kane and Darice
1: Fountain out of the starting lineup for now. Moving on to the Texans, Kiki Cutie will beat out Braxton Miller for the Texans slot wide receiver job in training camp.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I think that's accurate. Um, Don't think you're overreacting to that one. Uh, We just haven't seen anything out of Braxton Miller so far to this point, unfortunately. Uh, You know, I kind of started following his journey to wide receiver at the senior bowl a couple years ago, and it just hasn't worked out. Um, I know his quarterback play has been really inconsistent, but this is a make-or-break year for him, and, and QT can you know, offer the Texans some things that Miller was supposed to. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but I definitely think QT is going to threaten Miller's spot.
1: Moving on to the Titans, Dane Crookshank, uh, arguably the best name in this draft class. He will be a defensive matchup chess piece for the Titans, just as much as Mika Fitzpatrick will be for the Dolphins.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's an overreaction. Assuming they play him more at safety or in, or in the nickel somewhere, I just don't know where all his reps are going to come from. They do have uh, kind of an open spot more at strong safety, but they're really loaded at cornerback. So, you know, unless he blows people out of the water this summer and camp in the preseason, I just don't know where his reps are going to come from.
1: And last but not least, with the Jaguars, Will Richardson will succeed Jeremy Parnell as the Jaguars starting right tackle in 2019.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll say that Zach Parnell's really, he doesn't bring anything special to the table. Uh, I think we've, you know, I think we're probably all on board that Cam Robinson is solid at left tackle for them if he can stay healthy. Um, so, you know, if Richardson does his part, that, that was a good pick for them there in the fourth round. I think the expectation should be that he starts for them at right tackle in 2019.
1: Jake Arthur, thank you very much for joining us as always. And we hope to have you back on again very, very soon. Yes, absolutely. Thanks again, buddy. Thank you, Jake. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. But we'll be back tomorrow as we begin making the rounds in the NFC for our 2018 Dash to the Draft recap series. So stay tuned. Be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with spectacular guests like Jake Arthur, especially since there's never an off-season for talking football. For Jake Arthur, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.